Welcome to season two of the Love Good Podcast, where you learn how to love what is good so you can become what you love and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons, a community of intentional consumers who curate music and books based on the transcendentals of beauty, truth, and goodness. Join us each week as we sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and what it means to be human. We're so happy you're here. Welcome to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you are not yet subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, do it right now because we never want you to miss one of our new episodes as they release every Tuesday morning. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with an old friend, Michelle Mandico. She moved to Nashville about four years ago. She's a beloved singer-songwriter with incredible insight, not just into artistry and creativity, but the human experience. And if you've ever struggled with too closely identifying who you are and your self-worth with your creativity or productivity, this is a conversation for you. It's really bold, it's really vulnerable, and always a great delight to hear from someone like Michelle about what it means to be human and how do we joyfully enter into the challenges of this life. Also, we had a really, really cool side conversation about vinyls and why you're going to want to Tune in to the very end of the episode where you'll have an opportunity to win one of three copies of Michelle Mandico's first and only vinyl release so far, a beautiful album called Tarmigan. It'll be yours for free. Stay tuned. You'll get to hear all the details at the end. But we love you guys. Hope you're having an amazing week wherever you find yourselves. I'll be back here in just a few moments with Michelle Mandico. It's my first winter Without Colorado It's my first December Without calling you Oh my darling I do hope that you find a pale moon soon Oh my darling There's a war Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. I must say, I am back in Nashville, right in the height of the winter and sort of missing New Zealand already. But for those who didn't know, I was gone out of the country in the Southern Hemisphere for a few weeks, helping lead a camp uh, in that beautiful country of New Zealand. I must say, going from the summer to the winter is never an easy thing, especially in, in a matter of basically three flights. But one person who has made that transition a lot easier is the one I'm sitting across the table from right now in the Love Good studio. Please make some noise, everybody out there, for Michelle Mandico. How are you doing, <laughs> Michelle? Thank you. I am good. I am warm Yeah, because uh, we're inside. That's <laughs> so nice. You're drinking your peppermint hot tea there. I am. I'm on my third cup of coffee because I'm slightly jet-lagged, as is to right. be expected, you know? Right. I must say, one day we will have a live audience, and they will just, there'll be uproarious applause when oh, your name shoot. is announced. It's going to be a great <laughs> moment. But for now, it's you, and it's me, and it's... Uh, and it's our peppermint tea. Our peppermint... Wow. Look at you. You're... <laughs> Definitely a lyricist. I like that. <laughs> really well done. You and me and our peppermint tea. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's definitely not going to be that. a hit single anytime soon, but it's really nice. And well, it's the time of the year. Out. I mean, how, at what point is peppermint 
really no longer appropriate. I mean, I'm a year-round, like, mint right. chocolate chip, ice cream kind of guy. Right. But peppermint immediately means Christmas to me. It's obviously been a long time since Christmas was a thing. Wh- wh- where do you draw the line? Man, peppermint is year-round for me because it opens up the senses. It's a calming herb. It's a really it's a really powerful thing. I have it as an essential oil. I use it right year round. You and my mom both. Now, do you ever put these essential oils like on your forehead or under your eyes, like nasal? Where do you do this? Yeah. Or, or, you, or do you consume them and in, in things? I don't consume them. I usually cut it with like a coconut oil or a jojoba oil because sometimes peppermint can be really strong, but definitely on the forehead, temples, back of the neck, behind the ears. Oh. It can be really good on the soles of your feet. Um, <laughs> this is so not where I meant for the conversation to go, but this is actually an area of real fascination for me. This is good. You know when you say, oh, that's really interesting, which is your way of saying, I hope I never have to have that conversation again. weird. But as soon as I use the word fascinating, there's actually something deep in me that's like, ooh, I need to know more about this. And my mom is all about damn essence oils. Right? I like it. So yes. where, where did you first come across all that? Like, actually, just give me like your top three pro tips. On essence oils, because I know you think about these things and yes. you sort of like live by them a lot more than most people. Sure. Thank you. Um, doTERRA is a great brand. I like this oil called Motivate. It helps me when I'm not feeling motivated. And it's always just on your skin. That's It's, it's, it's a surface thing. It's a surface thing. Yeah. Yep. I mentioned cutting it with an, a coconut oil or a mm-hmm. sesame mm-hmm. oil is really good. What does that mean, cutting it, meaning adding it to? or Yeah, like yeah. let's say you fill your hand with some jojoba oil or sesame oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop a couple, you know, things of whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever you want more of in your life. That's so hilarious. Um, I think for me it helps redirect my senses. You know, if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling low – Sometimes just a little alertness. It's kind of what probably coffee does for you. Mm, It does. But this particular peppermint tea is from Celestial Seasonings, which is based out of Boulder, Colorado. I've been to the factory multiple times. So Do they do factory tours? They do factory tours. You can walk into the most memorable spot in that in that entire facility is the peppermint room. So for me, you know, you can't go wrong with peppermint. It's so interesting. I love factory tours, distillery tours. I know we've got some listeners from New Zealand. Nice. And I am just going to go ahead and say now, would one of you please convince Whitaker's Chocolate to to turn their beautiful little spot there in Wellington, New Zealand into a factory tour, not just a factory. Like this is the best chocolate, Michelle, I've ever had in my entire life. And you can't really get it anywhere but New Zealand. There's a few things that you can only get in strange, faraway places. Not that New Zealand is strange, but it is far away. Amazon's not hip to this chocolate shipping yet? No, it makes Hershey's taste like chocolate. I mean, (laughs) plastic. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a very different thing. I have been to the Hershey's factory. That's in Pennsylvania, right? Pennsylvania. Is that pretty cool? Yeah, Hershey's Pennsylvania. It was pretty cool, but now I just want to go to Whitaker's. That's so funny. Yeah, no, that's exactly what you want. (laughs) Michelle, okay. Yes. I have the hardest thing ever, which... You know, we'll just see how you do. But it's a list of would-you-rathers. This is something oh, that heck yes. Alana and I have been doing at least maybe every second or third episode that she's been co-hosting. It's been pretty intense. I think I've made her squirm once. She's made me <laughs> squirm more than once. But you have literally two seconds to respond to each of these questions. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have an unlimited international first-class ticket or never have to pay for food at restaurants? Shoot. 
Never have to pay for food. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely choose the first When class I have an international, international. free chicken. <laughs> this isn't a both hand, Michelle. All right, here we go. Would you rather see what was behind every closed door or be able to guess the combination of every safe on the first try? Closed door. Yeah. Yeah. Although I want to see get, inside the room. That could get weird, right? Like, right. But a so, lock but, is like somebody's stuff. Like they meant to lock it. That's right. And that would imply that you're a thief or something. <laughs> okay. This is really tough. Would you rather live in virtual reality where you are all powerful or live in the real world and be able to go anywhere but not be able to interact with anyone or anything? Virtual world. Ooh, really? Yeah. It's a bit like the Matrix. You prefer the, the you know, you don't want to eat the pill. I mean, you're not there. But then if you're not able to interact with anyone, you're also not there. That's a hard question. Okay. That's good. I think I know the That's answer. That's a Jimmy Mitchell question. Yeah, I know. Conversationstarterworld.com, everybody. <laughs> okay, this one could be tough, but maybe not for you. Would you rather never be able to eat meat or never be able to eat vegetables? Oh, yeah, my gosh. Never be able to eat meat. I'm a vegetarian, yeah, so that's easy. I know. It's way too easy for you. I'd be <laughs> curious what like percentage of the world, though, would— I think I would choose vegetables over meat. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't really want to have to make that, that call. Right. Okay, that's going to be too easy for you. You don't seem like the kind of person who binge-watches television. We're going to skip oh, no, that question. Oh, no, 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 no. I have had a really intimate relationship with Netflix <laughs> the last five well, months. I'm going to create this one out of thin air, then. Um, do you have Spotify Premium? I do. All right. Would you rather never again have Spotify Premium or Netflix? I need Netflix. Oh, Uh, need because you can. Oh, stop. No, you can find music in a CD on YouTube. But I feel like you put that in those machines and out comes music. Is that how that works? I only recently got a CD player because <laughs> I got a new a car. <laughs> I drive a Subaru Forester now. Oh, uh, I legit don't <laughs> even know what to do with CDs anymore. It's kind I of know. a really sad ongoing joke with our patrons because a lot of them really still like physical CDs. And that's awesome. But if I can't get it autographed, like I just end up putting it in a box, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. the question like the is the autograph is more valuable than the CD heck, itself. Yeah. Especially when you can just stream right. it so much more easily, even though you don't own it. Anyways, that's a long conversation we so can have. So, Michelle, don't uh, press any more CDs mm. or a print. Yeah. Well, but vinyl. I mean, vinyl you really hit gold on the vinyl. Thank you. Yeah, because even if you don't really <laughs> bother pulling them out, which is still kind of like me. It's just me, so big. It's just the idea. It's big. It sits nicely on the bookshelf. It's impressive. it's impressive to your friends. It's like the bookshelf itself. Like, how many <laughs> books have we actually read in our own bookshelves? You know, maybe a tenth. Uh, mine, anyways. And, unless, uh, you're, unless you're Jimmy Mitchell. Yeah, I also really like putting vinyl on the wall. Like, I've mm. got a couple of, like, record holders, whatever. Anyways, they look cool. sweet. Okay, last question for you, Michelle. Would you rather? Would you rather always be able to see five minutes into the future or always be able to see 100 years into the future? Like a perpetual second vision. Shoot. Can I split the difference? Nope. I'd rather see 100 years. That is so interesting. I don't know what I would say to that. I'd, I, think, I think I like the idea of five minutes. Mm. Yeah, it'd give you like a constant vigilance, but 100 Years would give you a constant wisdom. Perspective. So what do you want? Vigilance or wisdom, you know? I want the perspective. Ooh, I want vigilance. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jimmy, I can already see five minutes into the future. All you have to do is wait five minutes. Come on. Oh, but like think of the kinds of things you could avoid. Oh, but also the pressure, the responsibility. True. True. Hundred years is better now that I think about it because you, you can't, can't do anything do about a it. A whole lot about it. Right. Five minutes, you would feel this constant pressure to be saving everybody. You would become, in essence, a superhero. Right. You would have no other option. Right. Or you could just be really, really, really selfish, turn it on yourself. <laughs> you would have no friends because uh, <laughs> they'd figure it out. But like, you know, you know something, but you're not doing anything with it. All right. Here we go, Michelle. All Moving right. on from Would You Rather into, well, just life. Because let's face it, it's probably been about a year, maybe longer since we've had you on the podcast. And it's only been a few months since our patrons have received something from you in one of their packages. At least our highest level patrons received your vinyl recently. We have had the privilege of releasing one of your videos from our house concert back in May. That was probably in the last couple of months. And we have a new one releasing actually the same day this podcast comes out. We'll talk about that later. But how have things been going creatively, personally? Give us the update. Thank you. Man, things have been moving right along. I feel like January is sort of a down month for the industry. I've given myself a little bit of leeway and not writing and just sort of grounding into a schedule of work and practice and planning. Creatively, 2018 was a pretty slow year. I spent a lot of time prepping for the release of Ptarmigan, the CD production, the vinyl production, the release shows, the tour. Let's pause on that for a moment because actually most people would have no idea that it takes about 10 times as much work, and I don't want to know how much money, to put out a vinyl versus just, you know, your regular old compact disc. A little CD. Uh, tell us about yeah. that process. You said you're one of the few or one of the only indie artists that you were even aware of who used that same manufacturer, huh? Right. So my vinyls were pressed in the Czech Republic. Is that so common, by the way? Is that a, a thing? It depends on what you want. I feel like if you want just a jacket and the vinyl to stick inside, you could definitely find it, you know, local, at least landslide. But I wanted the gatefold. I wanted all the lyrics. I sort of wanted that step up. And that changes the printing. So for me, this company was based in L.A., Lots and lots of, lots of research. And then they, they actually manufacture in the Czech Republic. So shipping alone is like 400 bucks, wow. which is about what you can, you know, make a thousand CDs for. Maybe not quite a thousand, but it was a big deal reformatting. The, the vinyl art is a bigger deal. It's a bigger resolution. I wanted all the lyrics, so there was many passes on the format and the lyrics Making sure you have all those credits perfect on a CD, it's like you're probably going to do another run at some point on the vinyl. I thought this was probably going to be the only one. It's like editing a book almost. You just totally. sort of look at the manuscript script a thousand times before you actually feel confident it's ready. Totally. It's exhausting. I like spelled ukulele wrong, <laughs> 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 which I wasn't proud of. Is that no. U-K-E-L-E-L-E? -E -E? Just keep That's going. what I thought, but yeah. it's U-K-U. Get out of here. Ukulele. 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 Right. Oh. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jimmy. Let's start pronouncing that for, one right, huh? People, right. ukulele. ukulele. Let's start a little movement right now. Yeah. So that was, I mean, just preparing for manufacture was probably three months. Wow. I remember I placed the order in April, and it wasn't until August that they arrived. Mm. And then it was so exciting to get that request and shipment on Love Good for the vinyl. You guys were really helpful. That was in all December, of that. right? It went out to all of our patrons in December. Yeah, maybe September. It's one of these past two shipments. Right. And, you know, it's funny because it, it is such a growing thing. Like, obviously, CD sales are way down and music streaming is way up. But vinyl is actually on the rise. So, obviously, that hasn't been a big thing for most of the last three or, f- or so decades. But of all the parts of the industry, I think it's at like 2 or 3% of the market right now and mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think that is? What is it about fans and just music lovers in general who appreciate the vinyl. That's pretty mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something I kept running into as I was asking my parents' friends, you know, hey, do you want a vinyl? And they said, we sold our turntable. We don't have a turntable anymore. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you should buy a turntable so you can buy my record. They totally missed the trend. They should just held on for you a had little to bit help. longer. Yeah, and people were selling their vinyls. So I would say in, you know, my parents' generation, there was a little bit bit of that total turnover to Mm. CDs. For me, you know, we went pretty much from like a couple years of having a boombox, having a CD, and then maybe your car had a CD player to streaming. But the reason why I was motivated to see the vinyl through, another reason why I pushed my release to, you know, two and a half years after the recording was because there is something different about the vinyl grooves. I mean, the undoubtedly, a record does sound better on vinyl, but it also depends on the type of vinyl. I wouldn't necessarily say that a pop album hmm. sounds better on vinyl. I tracked Ptarmigan with vinyl in mind. And tell me, what is it that sounds better? I think the intimacy, I think the dynamics can be more extreme. It's less compressed. You're actually feeling the, mo- you know, the music through the movement of the needle. So mm. it's not like a one-stop shot. You have to work your way through the entire, whatever, four inches. Well, that's it. That actually just, I think, taps into it for me is that the whole experience with vinyl, it demands something of you. Time. Time and yes. intentionality. It involves waiting that that time and feeling that song in real time versus, oh, let's skip ahead 20 seconds. Where's the chorus? I want to hear the ending. You have to sort of commit to you know, the time. And then in my case also, I really, the lyrics were something really important to me, especially on that record. So I was sort of adamant about allowing fans and allowing people who purchased the record into my writing process and being able to follow along if if they felt inclined. And also it was a big deal for me to include an image from Loveland Pass, which is where we talked about in a previous podcast where Tarmigan came from. Mm. So I was able to include an insight into that mountain range. Have you seen the inside, Jimmy? I have not actually been around long enough to just sit down, open, open it up, it up right? and marvel. <laughs> because I'm, I'm realizing, Aww. especially as you're describing it, this isn't just like 
CD 2.0, where right. it's everything the exact same, just scaled larger. Totally which different. Which goes to show you, like, this is sort of my industry here, and I'm still clueless about how some of these things work. So, yeah, I think you're opening up my perspective, and I'm sure our listeners as well. Sure. Vinyl is a work of art. It's in a of piece itself. of art, totally. The artwork itself has at least taken 30 hours. It's amazing. And it, and it allows the album to remain a work of art. Sure. Thank and not you. just a collection of singles. Right. You know, and I think we're right. living in a singles driven industry right now. Yeah. And I think this rise of the vinyl is a really exciting indicator that people still want to hear a story from start to finish. Mm. It's a it's a story. That's a beautiful yeah. articulation of it because Ptarmigan was written in a story format. The order is meant to be listened to from start to finish. So I think the timelessness, mm. that's what motivated me. It was it's really like, cool. You know, the fact that vinyl's coming back was really exciting perfect timing for you yeah well so tell me then you've got some really fun collaborations coming up in 2019 certainly give us a little sneak peek of what those are going to be like but i know you're also like definitely looking forward to recording your next solo album as well but i know you know this this process of writing and recording is just never as simple as anybody probably thinks. Mm. And uh, I know even just a few moments ago before we hit the record button, you were telling me about kind of the joy of collaborating on these duo projects, the kind of way that that eases kind of your mind or your heart a little bit, gives you kind of space to breathe, kind of gives your fans the same thing, like something new and different to look forward to. But tell us about that writing process for you and why it can sometimes be incredibly joyful and incredibly challenging, Mm -hmm. maybe even heart-wrenching to get a song out from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, devastating in a way. When you hit a writer's block, which I had never hit a writer's block like I did in 2018, you sort of lose a certain identity. And even though I was still riding on the release of Ptarmigan, on New Year's, I sat back and looked at the year. And this is something I sort of felt and knew inside, but I did recognize that I hadn't written a song on my own from start to finish the entire year, which for me was incredibly unusual. I used to write a song a day, sometimes more than that. And so to hit this like point of uncertainty and lack of motivation, lack of productivity, it became a little bit daunting. I also was busy enough and distracted enough in the release of Ptarmigan that it was okay. It did feel like there was an intake and an outtake. But already, you know, January hit. I had recording dates booked. It's been almost three years since I recorded Ptarmigan, which is amazing to think about how time flies. But I did feel sort of this push, sort of this, you know, fire behind me that was motivating me to say something, to write something. And I think that's maybe my greatest fear as an artist is to be creating something that doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. That's like wasted space. And it's not like it's easy to be an artist. You said most days you're probably more needing encouragement uh, than needing humility, huh? (laughs) Like it's a constant sort of putting yourself out there. Uh, You were telling me recently even about an Instagram message you got from somebody who suddenly helped you see what your music did for her. Totally. And artists need that, don't they? Totally. Especially if you're doing a lot of this in a personal way. 
when you become really intimate with your songs, when you become vulnerable with the stories you're telling, you're not exactly sure how it's being received, but you know you have to keep doing it. So to hear from a fan or from an old friend that this album did something for them, these stories did something that they view me as a prolific writer was just stunning and, and humbling because I thought to myself, that's great that you think I'm prolific. I also haven't written a song in a year. What does this make me? And then giving myself the grace and sort of the sensitivity and just gentleness, I guess, to let myself know that it's okay. I haven't lost anything that I have. I just am in a different season. And tell me about this, because I think this is not just artists, you know, who struggle with writer's block, you know, and have their identity wrapped up in their creativity. I think this is a lot of people in general who might just struggle with life blocks, like entire stretches where they feel like a failure or they feel like they're not living Mm. up to even their own standard. Where should people put their identity, you know? And if it's not in our creativity or in our productivity, where is it to be found? How, how do you persist, persevere through those seasons of writer's block mm-hmm. without losing your peace of mind? And, and actually, deep down, without losing your, your edge, your, your confidence that you have been given a gift that must be shared, even if right now the gift has gone into hiding for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dormancy. You've totally tapped into something, Jimmy, because, you know, the reason for not writing, it's not like... I'm in a great place and I'm just not writing because I'm too busy with my great things in my life. It's not really that. There's a reason for not having written a song. And a lot of it stems from, like I mentioned, a lack of motivation, getting down on on myself for the lack of productivity. But I think in this true way, it does come from sort of a depressive place, a desolate place, feeling a lot of anxiety. And so this, I think, does relate to that feeling, like you mentioned, of feeling like a failure or it's not like, you know, the rest of my life is gleaming and I'm just struggling as an artist. No, I'm struggling as a human. And I'm struggling maybe with lack of sleep. I'm struggling with an abundance of anxiety. I'm nervous about communication. I'm you know, consumed by fear. And so those are the reasons for not writing. And sure, as an artist, I get to call it writer's block. As Mm. a human, I get to call it depression. Yeah. So there's, I think, seasons and grace that we have to remind ourselves of. I had a wonderful conversation with a really committed Christian, and he mentioned that For him, Christianity is really simple in the sense of I love because I was loved first. So that's my reasoning. You know, I give because I was given to first. Mm. And it's just this really simple mantra, something I can remind myself of. And even if it's not from the source of God, even if it's a simple thing as like source from your mother, you know, I I love because I was loved by my parents. 
so I think that's something that really breaks down a lot of the the walls, a lot of the, you know, interrogating, overwhelming feelings is just love. And that, you know, our identity or our source of confidence isn't necessarily in what we're creating. It's in, you know, what we are able to absorb and feel inside. It's amazing. And not only does that bring freedom, but I would imagine it brings like a really healthy humility and and, and peacefulness, right? Mm-hmm. That even our gifts, whatever they are, for you that's obviously wrapped up in creativity mm-hmm. and songwriting, things that blow my mind on most days. But we've all been given gifts. And sometimes they do, as you said, they go into dormancy for a time. And if our identity is wrapped up in our gifts, then actually not only will they go into dormancy, sometimes so will we. Mm. So what does it look like to almost have like that healthy distance? You know, I heard this really, really cool TED Talk. It's actually like over 10 years old from Elizabeth Gilbert. I watched Mm -hmm. it on the plane ride from, oh, I think it was at that point, Auckland, New Zealand to Houston, Texas. And she, of course, wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She was talking about really the distance needed for the creative between who he or she is and the thing that he or she's bringing into the world, how there needs to be a distance so that they don't go crazy. And that, you know, the morning after the most brilliant song you've ever written comes out of you, you don't fall into depression because you're never going to feel like you can reachieve or, or, or go back to the heights of that creative moment. And I would think especially, you know, artists who are constantly like dancing with this transcendental of beauty, it can be really, really dangerous because at times beauty feels a bit elusive, Mm -hmm. you know, and your ability to bring it into the world is it's tenuous, right? And it's part of where Love Good is obviously so honored to come alongside artists like you, Michelle, is because we, we want to create that space for you to be free to not feel the anxiety, to not feel like your identity is wrapped up and whether or not one of your singles ends up on radio, (laughs) whether or not your album gets picked up by, you know, Warner Brothers or fill in the blank, you know, that in fact, your music in the world versus your music not in the world is a far greater thing. How have you kind of recently come out of the writer's block? Where do you find your hope moving forward? And then make sure you let us know how we can stay in touch with you because there's a lot of folks who maybe are hearing about you for the first time. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever is best for you. How can we be rallying around Michelle Manico? Shucks. Thank you. It's so funny you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert. I did read part of Eat, Pray, Love. But recently, something that did help me out of the writer's block was reading a book of hers, or I guess listening to it on Audible, called Big Magic. Mm. And that book hit home, and it was totally inspiring. It totally validated the diligence, because as an artist, yes, we get to kind of come in contact with a muse, and it, you know, it provides sort of a high in writing or a confidence in writing, but there's something else also about the diligence and showing up and creating space for that. I realized one of the reasons I hadn't written for so long is because I hadn't sat down and opened my guitar case or sat down at the piano and even allowed myself the opportunity. I think it's so easy to become wrapped up in, you know, work, activities, Netflix, lying in bed, (laughs) you know, where I hadn't even opened up an hour or two hour chunk of time to allow that inspiration to meet me. 
I'm always taking notes and have, you know, lyrics in, in one scrap paper or another. But I think that showing up, I think meeting with people who inspire you. It's more finding, than half the battle. Yeah. It's more than half the battle. It's like it's about making yourself available. So that's that's one thing that I would leave with any listeners to find me, it's very easy. There's only one Michelle Mandico, and my website is michellemandico.com. That's where you can buy my vinyl. And then on YouTube, I'm Michelle Mandico, Facebook, Michelle Mandico, Twitter, Michelle Mandico. And I do have a couple new projects coming out this year. Jimmy mentioned that they're collaborations. And I am working toward a full length that'll begin releasing in 2020. So I'm excited. I'm so honored and excited to be working with Love Good ongoing. And thank you, Jimmy, for having me. It's amazing, Michelle. And, and actually, if, if people hang tight, in the outro of this episode, I'm going to give you a really cool opportunity where you can become a patron and get in addition to the usual welcome package that we always send new patrons, one of our two or three leftover vinyls from this past what? package. So we've got a few <laughs> copies of the beautiful work of art that is Ptarmigan on Vinyl by Michelle Mandico. And hang tight for the details on how you can get one of those absolutely for free by becoming a patron. This will be something that we do not mention on Instagram, email, anywhere else. It'll just be for our podcast listeners. Michelle you're awesome. What a privilege. Can't wait to do this again sometime. Thank you, Jimmy. So drop me on the highest peak with nothing but a word to speak. The air is thinning quick like a pack of As always, what a pleasure sitting down with the feminine genius that is Michelle Mandico. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Now is the time for the big announcement. So, Michelle, we were able to release her brand new vinyl, the Ptarmigan vinyl, to all of our highest level patrons just a few months ago. It was a huge honor, a huge privilege, and you heard all about the importance of vinyl and the comeback that it's really making, not just in the music world, but the creative world at large. So, it's an exciting moment, if you don't already have one, to go over to Amazon.com and buy yourself a vinyl record player, a turntable. But if you want and you have not yet become a patron, today is your day because we're going to send the first three people who sign up as patrons at lovegoodculture.com slash Michelle. The first three people are going to get a copy of that vinyl absolutely free alongside the welcome package, which includes a t-shirt and all kinds of other amazing things that you can only get from Lovegood. So by the way, we're not going to mention this in emails or social media, only our podcast 
podcast listeners are aware of this very, very special offer. So lovegoodculture.com slash Michelle. And even if you're not becoming a patron today, maybe because you already are one, go to that site anyways and watch the incredible premiere of a brand new video that we recorded with Michelle Mandico of her performing Giant Love. That's actually track four on the final. It's a beautiful new song from Michelle. And we've just released this video from one of our house concerts last May. And you're the first ones to find out about that as well. You guys are amazing. Hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Subscribe. Next Tuesday, we'll be out with our next episode with co-host Alana Boudreaux. Y'all are awesome. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to season two of the Love Good podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. You can join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at lovegoodculture.com. Start enjoying our seasonal packages that will raise your standard for media and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.